Good morning, church family, and welcome to Northside. Thank you so much for choosing to spend part of your weekend right here with us. We have a lot going on around our building, so I wanted to take just a few minutes to tell you about some of the things coming up for you and your family. So check this out. You're invited to a barbecue fundraiser on December 5th from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. right here in the Northside parking lot. Enjoy some takeout barbecue and a socially distanced hello with the Sutton family. $10 per plate and proceeds will help the Suttons get back to Haiti as they serve Mission Aviation Fellowship, bringing hope to isolated people. Are you ready to get into the Christmas spirit? We have just the thing. Come join us Saturday evening, December 6th at 6 p.m. to hear the Northside Kids Choir share the secret of Snowflake County. Be a part of the Christmas extravaganza as they try to remember the real message of Christmas. But keep your eyes out. There are some hungry raccoons on the loose. Bring your family and friends. You don't want to miss it. We will also be collecting canned goods at the door and leading up to the performance. Would you like to go on a mission with us to Baltimore? On January 20th through 24th, we will return to Baltimore to continue work in the men's discipleship home and within the community. Men and women are welcome. If you're interested in going, please make plans to attend our informational meeting next Saturday, December 6th, immediately following our third service in room 132. If you haven't participated in our membership class running together, we invite you to join Pastor Rocky on Saturday, December 12th from 8.30 a.m. to noon as he teaches everything you need to know about membership right here at Northside. If you're new to Northside, this class is for you. Child care for ages 11 and under will be provided by reservation only. We are asking attendees to please register in advance. You can register online right at our website. The deadline to register is next Sunday, December 6th. Remember to come join us Wednesday night at 6 p.m. for our House of Prayer service. This is one of the highlights of the week as we come together as a family to bring our needs to the Lord. We hope to see you there. Is this your first time joining us at Northside for worship? If so, we would love to meet you immediately following the service. Please bring your Connect card to our Next Steps desk and we will have a special gift just for you as our way of saying thanks for choosing to worship with us this morning. Now, as the service is about to begin, we would like to encourage you to check in on the Facebook app. And for those of you worshiping with us from home, please leave us a comment and let us know you're here. Well, good morning, Northside. Let's stand to our feet. Let's lift up our voices to him. He turns graves into gardens. Amen. I searched the world, but it couldn't fill me. Man's empty praise and treasures that fade are never enough. Put me 
singing, guys. You may be seated. Amen. Good morning. Welcome to worship at Northside. We're going to have a great time as we worship our Lord together this morning. I am so glad you're here. If this is your first time with us, let me just say thank you so much for being our guest. And I pray that God speaks to you this morning. Let me encourage you, if you haven't already done it after the service, to go by our next step table. It's out there in the foyer to my right, to your left. They would love to answer any questions you have. We've got a gift we'd love to give you as well. So let me encourage you to do that. Also, let me just remind you to take a moment and fill out that Connect card. Put it in one of the boxes um, that you see around the auditorium. Or you can fill it out online as well. And please let us know about any prayer requests you have. Because we pray over those requests each and every week. And we believe that our God is a God that answers prayers. And by the way, let me encourage you, if you can, to join us at 6 o'clock for House of Prayer. I believe with every ounce of being that I am, that um, if we're going to see God move in our world like we want to see God move, he's going to do it in response to prayer. And so I'd encourage you to be a part of our House of Prayer movement. Well, let's pray together, and then we're going to continue to worship in song. Father God Almighty, I thank you, Lord, that we have this opportunity today to gather together to worship you. You are our King, our Sovereign Lord, our Ruler. And we humbly come before you in your presence today, acknowledging that you are ruler of all, including our lives. Father, we pray today that everything that we do, everything that we say, every thought that enters our mind will be pleasing to you. We pray, Father, that as we sing, we will sing out with all of our might and the words that come from our mouth will be a sweet praise offering to your ears. We pray that you will use the songs that we sing to, Lord, teach us, to encourage us, to comfort us, to challenge us. Father, we pray that as we open up your word, that the truth of your word will speak to us, will heal our hurts, give us direction, give us hope. Father God, I pray today that if there is anyone here today in this place that does not have a personal relationship with you, they do not know you as Savior and Lord, I pray today will be the day that, Lord, they surrender all and give their life to you and experience what it is to walk in grace with mercy. Father, I pray when we leave here today, we'll leave here changed. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with us as we sing? He does turn graves into gardens. Amen. Bones into armies. Seas into highways. He's the only one who can because he is the miracle worker. He is the one that makes a way when there is no way. So let's worship him with this. We worship you, God. We worship you. Oh, he 
I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't 
blessings upon us. We worship you and give you thanks. And we worship you because that is who you are. Let's sing that again, church. That is who you are. 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 Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, we worship you. Do you feel the world is broken?
creation groaning, it is. Is a new creation coming, it is. And is the glory of the Lord to be the light within our midst, it is. Is it good that we remind ourselves of it? As one people with one voice, we worship our one Lord, our God and Savior. You sit enthroned above the circle of the earth, and this earth is just your footstool. 
Lord, we know that you have ransomed us, you have redeemed us from sin and death and hell. And because of that, you are worthy. You are the only one that could be worthy because you sacrificed your own life and poured out your blood at Calvary. The unblemished lamb, the lamb of God that sits enthroned. There is none other but you, O oh God, who has the power and authority to rescue us. We're so thankful for what you've done for us, oh God. We just adore you and we exalt you. We ask that this morning you would open our hearts to, to receive what your word is. That your word would be preached with power from on high through the Holy Spirit. That your Holy Spirit would have free reign to move among us today. Comfort those here this morning who need comfort. Lord, challenge us who need to be challenged and bring conviction to those who need conviction. And help us, Lord, to draw ever closer to you, the one who bought us at a very high price. And we praise you and we worship you, O oh God, for it's in your name, Jesus, that we pray. And all God's people said, amen. You may be seated. What do you do when what you believe and what you see don't seem to line up? More specifically, what do you do when what you believe about God and what you see as you look through the lens of your life doesn't match, measure up, line up? I mean, you, you say that God loves you. And God loves the world, but when you look out at the world, it looks like the world is falling apart. It doesn't make sense. What do you do when you say that God is good, but you look at your life and, and it doesn't feel like God has been good to you? What do you do when, when you believe that he will never leave you, he will never forsake you, and yet it, it seems like it's been weeks, it's been months, it, it may have been years since you had a, a, a word from God that you actually heard and could understand, what do you do? Well, that's the question we're going to try to answer this morning. And so if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Psalm 89. Psalm 89. But before we get, in, get started, I want to encourage you to make a habit, if you haven't, of reading through the Psalms because the Psalms really are words for all occasion. Regardless of what you're going through in life, the Psalms have a word for you. If you're trying to find out how to find true happiness and peace in life, read the Psalms. If you're feeling discouraged or overwhelmed or depressed, read the Psalms. If you feel like God is a thousand miles away, read the Psalms. 
And if you're wanting to discover some truths about Jesus, who he was, what he did, then you can find truth in the Psalms. And and that's what we're going to focus on for the next four weeks. We're going to look at four Psalms and we're going to try to see some truths about Jesus' birth, his death, his resurrection, and his second coming as king. Now, when we think about the Psalms, we, we think about praise, and that's a good thing to think about because the Hebrew word for Psalms literally means praise songs. And the book of Psalms was a book that was used as the people of God entered the temple to sing praises and songs of worship to God. Now, we think that David wrote the Psalms, and he did. He wrote many of them. David wrote 72 of the Psalms. But others of the Psalms are written by other people, and 50 of the Psalms were anonymous. Now, the Psalm we're going to focus on this morning was written by someone named the na- by the name of Etham the Ezraite. Now, you're probably thinking, who in the world is that? Who is Ethan the Ezraite? Well, in 1 Kings chapter 4, verse 31, it says this. Solomon was wiser than anyone else, including Ethan the Ezraite. And so whoever Ethan was, this Ezraite, we know that he was a very wise man. So wise that he was even compared to Solomon. In 1 Chronicles chapter 6 and chapter 15, we are told that there was an Ethan that was a contemporary of David that David chose to be one of the worship leaders in the house of God. And so who was this Ethan? Well, the problem comes when we begin to read the psalm. Because as we read the psalm, we we read of a time when it seems like David's kingdom has collapsed. It seems like the people have gone into captivity and there is no hope. And so either Ethan, who lived during David's time, was both a prophet and a songwriter and a wise man, or this Ethan lived much later than David. Many people think that this Ethan was someone who lived during the time of the Babylonian captivity. Now this particular psalm is called a maskeel. Psalms were written for different reasons. Some songs were written simply to sing. But other songs were written to teach and to instruct. And this psalm was written specifically to teach us and instruct us some truths. And as you read through this psalms, there are three words that seem to just pop out to us that I believe are the truths that God wants to teach us as we read the psalms. Now, here are the three words. The first is praise, the second is promise, and the third is problems. And so, as you read through this psalm, what I want you to do is try to look at the truths that teach us about praise, about promises, and about problems. Now, this is a kind of long psalm, but I believe it's important for us to read this entire psalm. So let's go ahead and begin in verse 1. You follow along as I read. Listen to what it says. I will sing of the Lord's unfailing love forever. Young and old will hear of your faithfulness. Your unfailing love will last forever. Your faithfulness is 
as enduring as the heavens, the Lord said, I have made a covenant with David, my chosen servant. I've sworn this oath to him. I will establish your descendants as kings forever. They will sit on your throne from now until eternity. All heaven will praise your great wonders, Lord. Myriads of angels will praise you for your faithfulness. For who in all of heaven can compare with the Lord? What mightiest angel is anything like the Lord? The highest angelic powers stand in awe of God. He is far more awesome than all who surround the throne. O Lord God of heaven's armies, where is there anyone as mighty as you, O Lord? You are entirely faithful. You rule the oceans. You subdue their storm-tossed waves. You crush the great sea monster. You scattered your enemies with your mighty arm. The heavens are yours and the earth is yours. Everything in the world is yours. You created it all. You created north and south. Mount Tabor and Mount Hermon praise your name. Powerful is your arm, strong is your hand. Your right hand is lifted high in glorious strength, righteousness, and justice are the foundation of your throne. Unfailing love and truth walk before you as attendants. Happy are those who who hear the joyful call to worship, for they will walk in the light of your presence, Lord. They rejoice all day long in your wonderful reputation. They exult in your righteousness. You are their glorious strength. It pleases you to make us strong. Yes, our protection comes from the Lord. And he, the Holy One of Israel, has given us our king. Long ago, you spoke in a vision to your faithful people. You said, I have raised up a warrior. I have selected him from the common people to be king. I have found my servant David. I have anointed him with my holy oil. I will steady him with my hand, with my powerful arm. I will make him strong. His enemies will not defeat him, nor will the wicked overpower him. I will beat down his adversaries before him and destroy those who hate him. My faithfulness and unfailing love will be with him. And by my authority, he will grow in power. I will extend his rule over the sea, his dominion over the rivers, and he will call out to me, you are my father, my God, and the rock of my salvation. I will make him my firstborn son, the mightiest king on earth. I will love him and be kind to him forever. My covenant with him will never end. I will preserve an heir for him. His throne will be as endless as the days of heaven. But if his descendants forsake my instructions and fail to obey my regulations, if they do not obey my decrees and fail to keep my commands, then I will punish their sin with the rod and their disobedience with beatings. But I will never stop loving him, nor fail to keep my promise to him, no, I will not break my covenant. I will not take back a single word I said. I have sworn an oath to David, and in my holiness I cannot lie. His dynasty will go on forever. His kingdom will endure as the sun. It will be as eternal as the moon, my faithful witness in the sky. But now you have rejected him. Cast him off. You are angry with your anointed king. You have renounced your covenant with him. You have thrown down his crown in the dust. You have broken down the walls protecting him and ruined every fort defending him. Everyone who comes along has robbed him and he has become a joke to his neighbors. You have strengthened his enemies and made them all rejoice. You have made his sword useless and refused to help him in battle. You have ended his splendor and overturned his throne. You have made him old before his time and publicly disgraced him. Oh, Lord, how long will this go on? 
Will you hide yourself forever? How long will your anger burn like fire? Remember how short my life is, how empty and futile this human existence. No one can live forever. All will die. No one can escape the power of the grave. Lord, where is your unfailing love? You promised it to David with a faithful pledge. Consider, Lord, how your servants are disgraced. I carry in my heart the insult of so many people. Your, your enemies have mocked me, O Lord. They, they mock your anointed king wherever he goes. And then listen to how he finishes this. Praise the Lord forever. Amen and amen. Now, there are three important truths that you need to get, not only to help you understand who God is, who Jesus is, but I believe to help you get through life. Here's truth number one. God is worthy of our praise. I want you to listen to me. God and God alone is worthy of our praise. He is worthy of all the praise. He is worthy of all the glory. He is worthy of all the honor. And the Bible tells us that the praise comes out of our mouth. It is not just something that enters into our minds. Write this down. Praise begins in our heart. It makes its way into our minds, but then it explodes out of our mouth. You see, praise is something that begins in the heart. When we have an encounter with God, when we come to understand who He is, that begins in our heart. And so the praise for God begins in our heart. But then as we get to know Him and we begin to understand who He is with our minds, that praise that begins in our heart grows and it deepens until it has to explode out of our mouth. I want you to notice how, how Ethan begins. He says, I will sing of the mercies of the unfailing or the unfailing love of the Lord. With my mouth, I will make known thy faithfulness. I will sing. With my mouth, I will make known your faithfulness. In verse 5, Ethan says, all heaven will praise you. The angels will praise you. No one compares to you, Lord. In verse 12, he says, even the mountains praise you. Understand that all of creation one day will join in praising God. And Ethan gives us a number of reasons that we are to praise God. Let me give you a few. He says we are to praise God because of his mercies, his unfailing love. Now, many times we get confused on mercy and grace. Grace is when God gives us things that we don't deserve. God gives us salvation. We don't deserve it. That's grace. God will give us heaven. We don't deserve it. That's grace. God gives us spiritual gifts and natural abilities to use in life. We don't deserve them. That's grace. Grace is when God gives us things we don't deserve. But mercy is when God doesn't give us the things that we do deserve. You see, we deserve God's judgment. We deserve death and hell. But when God withholds that and doesn't give us that, that is his 
mercy. Now here's the truth. Each and every one of us in this room, we deserve death and hell right now. Not in the future. We deserve it right now. If you get what you deserve, if I get what I deserve, then right now in this moment, God is going to give me death. God is going to give me hell. But in his mercy, he has held off on his judgment. The prophet Jeremiah, who many say is a contemporary of Ethan, said God's mercies are new every morning. And so when Ethan is looking back on the history of God's people, he is praising God for his unfailing love, his mercy that he sees at every single turn. Because God's people continually rebelled against God. They constantly disobeyed God. They worshiped pagan idols and images. They deserve God's judgment. And yet time and time again, God gave them mercy. We praise God for his mercy. Seven times, Ethan talked about God's mercy, God's unfailing love. And then he tells us we praise God for his faithfulness. He uses that word seven times in this passage. Now, faithfulness simply means that God does what he says. God can be depended on. Though other people can and will let you down, God will never let you down. God will always prove faithful. And so as we look at our past, we thank God for his mercy. When we look forward into the future, we thank God that he is faithful. We know that we can depend on him. We know that he will not let us down. We know that he will do what he has promised to do. We praise him for his faithfulness. And then Ethan says we praise God for his power. Ethan says it this way. He says no one is as mighty as our God. He subdues the storm. He crushes the sea monster. He scatters our enemies he protects us with his strong arm, his hand, his, 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 his whole being protects us from our enemies. We need to understand that no matter what we face in life, no matter what enemy may come against us, God is more powerful than our enemies. There is no obstacle. There is no opposition that can overwhelm us when our God is fighting for us. And so listen, we do not focus on the obstacle. We do not focus on the opposition. We focus on God because he is powerful enough to protect us against any storm and against any power that may come our way. Then he reminds us of something that we focused on for the last three weeks. Remember, we focused on the fact that we are stewards. God is the owner. And Ethan says that, that God owns everything. Everything belongs to God because he created it all. Without God, there is nothing. And then Ethan says that, that God is both righteous and just. Those are the foundation stones of his throne. Everything God does is right. Everything God does is just. I mean, when we look at our world today, and even when we look at laws today, we can look at some of the things that happen in life, and we can say, that's right. But there are times that 
We look at things that happen in life and we go, that's not just. That's not fair. That's not good what happened to them. But understand that no one is going to ever be able to stand before God and say anything that he does is is unfair or unjust or, or not right. When every person stands before God, they will say to him, God, you're right. Everything you said is right. Everything you have done is right. No one is going to be able to stand before God and say, God, you are unfair. No, everyone is going to recognize that God, above all, is fair. You see, God is worthy of our praise. And that's why it is so important. Listen, that's why it is so important for you to begin your day praising God. You open up his word and you let God's word teach you truths about God that show you why you praise him. And then you enter into his presence in prayer praising him. It doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter what difficulty you may be facing. If you will face it with a spirit of praise of God, it will get you through that season of despair. And so let me encourage you. Listen, every day, get into God's Word and find reason to praise God. Turn on your, your, your echo or your whatever you've got at your house and ask it to pray praise, praise and worship and just praise God for who He is. God is worthy of our praise. The second truth that Ethan teaches us is this. God will always keep His promises. Look at me. God will always keep his promises. In verse 3, God told told Ethan, reminded Ethan that he had made a promise to David. He said that David's seed would sit on the throne forever. He reminds us of this again in verse 29. He says, God will preserve an heir from the line of David that will rule forever. And then in verse 36, he tells us that David's dynasty will go on forever. And yet, as you read Psalm 89, it looks like the dynasty is over. It looks like the kingdom has been overcome. It looks like God has broken his covenant promise. But the problem is, is Ethan was looking at the present instead of the future and eternity. I want you to listen. If you focus your attention on the present, there will be times in your life that it seems that God hasn't kept his word. It's going to feel like God has broken his promise. You're going to feel like what God has said in his word just isn't true. It's, It's not coming true in your life. But understand, you can't simply look at the present. You've got to understand that the present isn't the end of the story. There is a future that is yet to be unfolded. And there is an eternity that each and every one of us is going to go through. And so here was Ethan. He was being reminded of these promises that God had given to David. And yet as he was looking at the circumstances, the kingdom had been overcome. 
The people had been taken into captivity. Everything was going wrong. The king, the line of David, had been taken off in chains. And there was no ruler in sight. There was no heir to the throne. And Ethan's thinking the promise that God made has been broken. But again, let me remind you, you cannot look at the promises of God simply in a present tense. You have to also look in a future tense. And that's where the Christmas story comes in. Because over a thousand years later, or almost a thousand years later, God gave a word through an angel to a young lady. And listen to what it says in Luke chapter 1. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent an angel, Gabriel, to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Now, this is a big deal because here's Ethan. He's looking at the kingdom collapsing. The walls of the city have been broken down. The temple has been destroyed. And he's thinking all hope is lost. And this was a promise that wasn't just made to David. It was made from the beginning of time. When Adam and Eve, our ancestors, chose to rebel against God, reject his right to rule their life, God gave them a promise. He said to Eve, one day your seed will come and he will crush the head of the serpent which represented Satan. That was the promise at the very beginning. Several thousand years later, God again came and he told Abraham that this son of promise would come through his line. And he again told him that that this son that would come would bless all the nations of the world. And then about a thousand years later, God came to David. And he said to David that this son would come, is going to come from your line. And when he reigns, his kingdom will never end. And God said, even if your people disobey me, I won't break my covenant with you. And yet, thousands of years had passed. And there wasn't a king like was being described. They had good kings and they had bad kings, but there wasn't even a king like David, much less a king that was being described here. But when Jesus came, Jesus fulfilled the promise. God never breaks his promises. And so can I ask you a question this morning? What promise of God is there that you need to hold on to today? Someone said that there are over 365 promises in God's Word, one for every day. I haven't studied it. I can't verify that. But I do know that the Bible is filled with promises, many promises. 
The Bible says that God promises not to leave us, to never forsake us or abandon us. The Bible says that God promises to meet our every need according to his riches over and over again. We, are, we, we discover promises in God's word that we can hold on to. Now you may be going through something right now. A season, a time that's, that's difficult, that's hard, that's painful. And you may think, God, what's happened to these promises that I'm holding on to? Well, let me just tell you, keep on holding on. Don't lose hope. Because God will be true to the promises that he gives. He was too true to the promise of Jesus. And he'll be true to the promises that he gives you in your life. So first truth, God is worthy of our praise. Second truth, God will keep his promises. Here's the third truth. Sometimes our problems cause us to question God's promises. Sometimes the problems in our life cause us to question God's promises. Now when you're reading through this psalm and you get to verse 38, something happens. Something bad has taken place. Most people believe that what he is describing is the fall of Jerusalem in 586. And all of a sudden, doubts begin to fill Ethan's mind as he looks at his situation, as he looks at the world. But listen, when your world is falling apart, you still hold on to the promises of God. You don't lose hope. And notice what Ethan did. He praised in the midst of the storm. That's how he ended. He said, praise be to God forever. Amen and amen. When things are good, you praise God. When you see the promises being fulfilled, you praise God. When your world is falling apart and it seems like the promises aren't coming true, you still praise God because God will be true to his promise. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. It was a Sunday, June the 1st, 1975. Daryl Dorr was on an oil rig in the Gulf of Mexico. He was in a room in the lower level of the oil rig when he felt the oil rig begin to tip. And the oil rig collapsed into the Gulf of Mexico and began to sink. Daryl Dora was trapped in this room inside the oil rig as it began to cover with water. Water filled the room and began to sink into the Gulf of Mexico. He felt like he was going to die. But he found an air pocket. And he swam to that air pocket and he could breathe. And he had a little bit of hope. But then he realized that it was getting darker and darker and he was sinking deeper and deeper. And he thought there was no hope. And he said it was at that moment that I literally began to hear God speak to me. And he said I began to regain my hope. But as the minutes turned into hours, I would lose hope again. He said, after 22 hours, I was about to lose all of my oxygen in that air pocket that I'd been breathing in when all of a sudden I saw this glimmer of light. And I thought to myself, what is that light? And the light got stronger and stronger until all of a sudden 
the light, he said, was the light from a helmet of a diver that came to rescue him. He was saved. Later on, as he was giving interviews on news stations all across America, this is what he said. He said, I gave up hope three or four times. And then all of a sudden, there was a hand reaching for me. And can I tell you, that's really what Christmas is all about. And that's why we can hold on to the promise of God, because Christmas is all about the hand of God reaching down to us. When we feel like things aren't good in our life, God's reaching down. When we feel like that God doesn't love the world because it's collapsing around us, God is reaching down. When we feel like God is a thousand miles away and he hasn't spoke to us in weeks or months or years, God is reaching down and he'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. And whatever our need may be, Christmas reminds us that God has reached down to grab us and lift us up and save us. And we can hold on to that promise. Now, I don't know where you're at this morning. If you're here and you've never trusted Jesus to be your Savior and Lord, then you need to hold on to the promise of salvation because that's your only hope. You're never going to be good enough to get to heaven. You certainly can't be religious enough to get to heaven. Your only hope is Jesus who came to this earth to die on a cross, defeat sin and death, so we could be forgiven and experience the mercy and the grace of God. So if you're here and you've never given your heart and life to Jesus, I want to encourage you to do that today. But I believe with all my heart, there are others of us here who are followers of Jesus. We love him, but life's gotten tough. It's gotten difficult. We're going through a season of pain and problems and trials and tribulations, and we're wondering, God, where are you? Is all this stuff true? I can promise you it is. Don't lose hope. Look up, because there's a hand holding on to you, and he'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. Would you bow your head with me? Close your eyes. With your head bowed, your eyes closed. If you're here and you've never given your life to Jesus, and today you're ready to surrender all to him, I want to encourage you to pray this prayer with a humble heart to him right now. And Dear God, I come to you this morning humbly asking you to forgive me for my sin, my rebellion, my arrogance. I don't want to live this way anymore. Jesus, I believe you came to this earth. I believe you died on the cross for my sin. I believe you rose from the grave, defeating sin and death for me. Today, I'm trusting you to save me. I'm giving my life to you. From this moment on, Jesus, I'm yours. I want to follow you. I want to live for you. I want to serve you because you are worthy. Thank you, Jesus, for hearing my prayer. Thank you for saving me. And if you're a believer, you feel like you're at the end of your rope, then I want to encourage you right now to look up.
call out to God because he's never going to leave you. He's never going to forsake you. Father God, I thank you that your promises are true. I thank you that every promise has been fulfilled in Jesus. Jesus meets our every need. I thank you, Father, that when we feel like giving up, you are there with us. Encouraging us, comforting us, challenging us. Giving us hope through the power of your Spirit. Father, I pray that everyone here today who is hurting and troubled will hold on to you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, before we dismiss, two things. Next week, we're going to be looking at Psalm 22. And so, if you haven't ever read Psalm 22, I want to challenge you to read Psalm 22. Not once, not twice. Read it every day. Between now and next Sunday. Take notes. Figure out what it's saying. And then you're going to be ready to teach everybody next week. So read Psalm 22. Let God speak to you. Okay. Second thing. Let me just thank you for how faithful you have been during this incredibly crazy season that we have been in. You've been faithful in serving. You've been faithful in giving. You've been faithful in every way. And with that, let me remind you, we have these giving boxes at every door. You can give online. You can give through the mail. But thanks again for your faithfulness. As we walk through these doors, we're going into our mission field. Let's be faithful missionaries sharing the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. God bless you. You have a great week.